Reports of DPS mistreating migrants crossing the border, some coming from troopers assigned to the mission, how the agency's responding to the accusations. Governor Abbott's buoy barriers invite lawsuits from Eagle Pass to Washington, D.C. The facts and the fallout. Ken Paxton in court. He faces a criminal case separate from his upcoming impeachment, why the Senate trial could affect the process. A new law aims to keep children away from sexually oriented performances, but some performers say it goes too far, what they're doing to push back. Produced from the Capitol in Austin and airing statewide, this is the award-winning State of Texas. Hello and thank you for joining us. I'm Josh Hinkle. We've told you how the buoy barriers the state placed in the Rio Grande led to a lawsuit from the federal government. A Texas business owner is also suing, claiming the barriers are illegal and causing damage to the river's natural state. We wanted to see for ourselves. Our capital correspondents made the journey to Eagle Pass where they got special access to the waters of the Rio Grande. Our Ryan Chandler kayaked to the buoys to give us an up-close look at the barrier fueling the controversy. We live and die by how the river flows. It's beautiful. It can be beautiful. It used to be beautiful on both sides. And for as long as I've been alive, it's never looked like that. I just can't believe what they're doing to this river. For the Texans of Eagle Pass, the Rio Grande is not just a border, but a way of life. A beauty now threatened by barbs and buoys. The whole banks, they're gone. These islands, four of them, they're gone. How do you think I feel? Nobody cares. Nobody cares. I care. This is about the river. We joined Jesse Fuentes on the water to kayak to the state's new buoy barriers. He's trying to take them out and take Governor Abbott to court. Our community's hurting, our culture's hurting, our reputation is hurting, I'm hurting, the river's hurting. So, I mean, solve the problem. <laughs> After a long kayak through the Rio Grande, we arrived at the edge of these thousand feet of buoy barriers that have sparked controversy nationwide, but don't appear to be stemming migration in Eagle Pass. On the way here, we witnessed at least two dozen migrants make their way across the shallow ends of this buoy barrier, avoiding this area altogether. And if people don't take care of it, everybody's gonna suffer. Suffering was already painfully apparent. Cries pierced the early morning as we passed migrants young and old reaching the razor wire, undeterred by the buoys. A better future, Joanina says. After a 20-day journey from Venezuela, that motivation pulls stronger than the current. In Eagle Pass, Ryan Chandler, State of Texas. On Wednesday, authorities found a body stuck in the buoy barrier on the Rio Grande. DPS Director Steve McGraw said preliminary evidence suggests the victim drowned upstream, then floated into the barrier, but it's not clear if the buoys had anything to do with that person's death. The Biden administration is taking Texas to court to stop the use of the buoys. The lawsuit claims they violate the Federal Rivers and Harbors Act. Governor Greg Abbott said the state will fight to keep the buoys in place. First of all, uh, the statute uh, on which the lawsuit is based does not seem to apply to the buoys that are uh, at issue. But second, even if it does, I believe that the constitutional right of the state of Texas to secure our border and to defend our sovereignty supersedes uh, any statute. 
The last thing I'll make clear, and that is I, I cannot predict what may happen in a trial court. What I can tell you for certainty is that Texas is going to take this case all the way to the United States Supreme Court to defend the rights guaranteed to us in the United States Constitution. DPS tells us it's too early to determine if the buoys have been effective at deterring migration, but a spokesperson tells us the barriers have been able to push people to certain areas of the border. That lets DPS free up manpower, but as you saw, people are still crossing outside established ports of entry. There are concerns about how DPS is treating those people. Some troopers assigned to the border mission reported people being denied water and being pushed back into the river. Ryan asked the DPS spokesperson about those concerns. We watched at least a couple dozen people try uh, to enter the United States through the banks of the river, often walking through that concertina wire today. Um, I know you have refuted the recent reports of, of DPS troopers pushing people back into the river. Um, and, and I was actually um, <clears throat> glad to see today that, that some troopers were uh, throwing out water to people who needed it or helping people up the banks of the river if they were stuck in this wire. What is the official policy for how DPS should um, assist or not assist people who are who are on the American banks trying to get up? Well, there's no policy as far as how we're going to you know, distribute water. I mean, there is a policy as far as how we value life, how we preserve life and public safety, regardless of, you know, regardless of who's coming across, whether they're American citizens or not. You know, once they're in the United States, you know, our goal is to preserve life, right, to value that uh, that human life. But as far as water goes, we tell the troopers to use their, their judgment, to use observations based on those that need it, based on those that are in distress, especially children especially now with the summer heat. Uh, of course, we don't have, you know, a thousand bottle of water to give out every single day. You know, that's just, that's just, you know, it's not the case. But those that actually need it, we tell our troopers, use your judgment. At least five officers have raised concerns about DPS policies. The department's inspector general is investigating. An update now to a story we brought you last week. Texas A&M University announced it reached a $1 million settlement with a black journalism professor after attempts to hire her unraveled. Kathleen McElroy oversees the University of Texas journalism program, but A&M held a signing ceremony back in June to announce they were hiring her to lead the school's journalism program. Then the deal fell apart. McElroy claimed it was because of pushback over her past work promoting diversity. A report released by the university revealed messages from conservative regents unhappy with the plan to hire McElroy. After events surrounding the failed hiring became public, A&M President Catherine Banks resigned. When announcing the settlement, A&M admitted mistakes were made during the hiring process. Ken Paxton appears in court. How his upcoming impeachment trial could affect a long-delayed criminal case facing the suspended attorney general. A new Texas law is supposed to keep children from seeing sexually oriented performances, but does it go too far? It could impact Broadway musicals. It could impact karaoke nights at restaurants. Uh, it could really impact any kinds of performance or visual uh, presentation. How some performers are pushing to block the law.
New developments in a lawsuit filed to block a law that opponents argue would amount to a ban on drag performances in Texas. The law is supposed to take effect next month. It would criminalize performers and fine business owners if a minor sees something deemed as a sexually oriented performance. Our Will Dupree is following these developments and joins us now. Will, who's behind this lawsuit? Yeah, there are five plaintiffs who are now suing to challenge Senate Bill 12, and those include an Austin-based drag performer and a local company here who puts on drag performances. The performer in question, her name is Bridget Bandit, and you may recognize her testimony against SB 12 at a committee hearing earlier this year. Video of that moment went viral. She and the other plaintiffs argue this law is unconstitutional, specifically violating their rights protected by the First and Fourteenth Amendments. They also claim the law puts their safety, artwork, and ability to earn a living at risk. The ACLU of Texas is part of this legal pushback, and one of that organization's attorneys told us the way the law is written could open up legal consequences for more than just drag performers. But it's also so incredibly broad and vague that it targets entire genres of performing arts that could be considered sexual by someone in any way. So it could impact Broadway musicals, it could impact karaoke nights at restaurants, uh, it could really impact any kinds of performance or visual uh, presentation. Under the law, businesses could be fined $10,000 for a violation. Performers could face fines and up to a year in jail. The group who filed the lawsuit is suing the interim Texas Attorney General, along with the Travis County Attorney. Delia Garza released a statement to us writing, quote, We appreciate the ACLU's efforts to bring some clarity to a law that has constitutional concerns and will be difficult to enforce. Well, what are supporters of the new law saying about the legal challenge? On Thursday, we heard from Republican State Senator Brian Hughes, and he wrote in a statement sharing his reaction to news of this lawsuit, and he wrote, quote, Surely we can agree that children should be protected from sexually explicit performances. Senate Bill 12 provides that protection, and I'm confident that this common sense law will be upheld. What's the outlook for this lawsuit? What comes next? Yeah, the law is set to go into effect on September 1st, so time is quickly approaching for that, but it's unclear right now when a court hearing might be held to potentially challenge the law. All right, Will, I know you will be tracking this case closely. We definitely will. Thank you very much. Thank you. Ken Paxton appears in court for a long delayed criminal case. If Ken loses, that's a kill shot to his political career, so it opens the door for resolution and it's not open right now. But that was just one part of the ongoing legal saga for the suspended attorney general. We look closer at new developments in his upcoming impeachment trial. Texans will soon stop paying sales taxes on diapers and menstrual products, the cost to the state, and how the change could help Texas families. Suspended Attorney General Ken Paxton faced a judge Thursday in a Houston criminal court. It brings long-awaited movement on a securities fraud case that started eight years ago. Our Capitol correspondent Monica Madden covered Paxton's court appearance and tells us where this case goes from here. 
Paxton came to this Harris County courthouse Thursday morning related to felony charges he faces. It stems from a securities fraud case where he is accused of defrauding investors in a McKinney based tech startup. A grand jury indicted him in 2015, but for years this case has been delayed for a variety of reasons. Changes in venue, issue overpay with prosecutors and even natural disasters. But Thursday morning, the case finally started moving forward. Eight years of delays and nine minutes in court. Suspended Attorney General Ken Paxton faced a judge for the first time in years as a defendant. He did not speak and the judge made no major decisions Thursday. The wheels of justice have seemed to move at a glacial pace. Prosecutors describing the brief hearing as a rebirth of the case. At some point, it has to come to an end, as all criminal litigation does. I think today was the first step in a journey of a thousand miles to make sure that justice ultimately comes to be. Yeah. Attorneys next moves, however, could all hinge on the outcome of Paxton's September impeachment trial in the Senate. The consensus was we figure out what happens uh, at the impeachment trial and we go from there. Paxton's defense team also revealing the FBI is actively interviewing witnesses for an investigation into other corruption allegations against Paxton, another complicating factor in the ongoing case. Do you expect to try to settle this case or? It's too early to tell, but logically, if he's impeached in the Senate, he would have greater motivation to resolve this case on whatever basis because his political career, one would think, would be dead. Prosecution and defense spoke to reporters after the hearing. Paxton avoided the press by going into and out of the court through a private entrance flanked by DPS officials. And as a reminder, this criminal case is completely separate from the upcoming impeachment trial that awaits Ken Paxton in the Senate, where senators will act as jurors starting September 5th. Josh, back to you. Thanks, Monica. There are also new developments to report this week in the upcoming impeachment trial for Ken Paxton. We're joined now by Lauren McGaughy, investigative reporter for the Dallas Morning News. Welcome. Thanks for having me. So you've been tracking the developments this week, including the efforts by Paxton's attorneys to get the impeachment articles dismissed. What's the case that they're making? So uh, at this point, they filed motions to dismiss all of the 20 articles. Originally, it was just 19. Now we have 20 in. And they're arguing that, uh, all, by and large, these articles were brought uh, in a way that was unlawful, that none of them hold any water. Um, they're also filing motions to quash any kind of evidence that they think should be inadmissible, um, uh, any evidence that may have been uh, that may have come about before January 1st of this year. So there's a lot of different motions pending right now before the Senate, and uh, they're really throwing everything they can at the wall to try to get these things thrown out before September 5th. Yeah, what's been the response to the dismissal motion? When will we know if that's going to be successful? Later this month, we're going to know that. So uh, it's a bit down to the wires. So people will have to be a, a little patient with that. But right now, we're just waiting on both sides to file all of their motions. Then we will see what the response will be from the Senate and from Lieutenant Governor Dan Patrick about the week before the trial. And we might even see some developments in the few days before uh, we have the trial start. So Speaker Dade Phelan said the House investigation started after Paxton uh, asked lawmakers to approve paying a multi-million dollar settlement mm -hmm. of a whistleblower case. You reported about newly released text messages that show how some lawmakers responded to that idea. And what did you find there? 
We asked for text messages between one of Paxton's senior advisors, both at the agency and his campaign, and Jeff Leach, who is a longtime Collin County lawmaker and friend of Paxton's. And the text showed us that lawmakers were upset about this ask. Uh, he plainly told uh, the senior advisor that um, people were, uh, a word I won't use on air, um, but he used a, a bit of a light expletive um, to to convey the gravity of this ask. And he asked the senior advisor to have Paxson come in person and defend the $3.3 million funding request. And there was a bit of back and forth on that, but ultimately we know that he never did come to Jeff Leach's committee and do that. You also broke the story about the potential conflict in the impeachment case where you found a woman named in the impeachment articles may have ties to a senator who will also be on the jury. What's the story there? So this was actually something we found in Paxton's lawyer's own filing in that uh, motion to throw out all the impeachment articles. They actually named the woman who Paxton is alleged to have had an affair with a number of years ago. Um, this woman, uh, we believe, worked for the Senate. Um, there are records that show a woman by the same name worked for a sitting senator. So there are some concerns about a conflict there. But you know, really, almost all of these senators have a link good or bad to Paxton. They've campaigned for him. They've campaigned against him. Obviously, we have Paxton's own wife, who's a sitting senator. She's the only one that has been forced to recuse herself from the vote, but no one else has at this point. Yeah, we've seen previous calls to remove senators due to conflicts. Have, how have those been really addressed beyond uh, what you just mentioned with his wife. We haven't seen any serious effort uh, to remove anyone else from voting. In fact, that would probably most likely come either from Dan Patrick himself um, making that ask or making that request or from the House managers who will present the case against Paxton and we haven't seen that uh, from either of them. So I spoke to a couple of experts who both think it's unlikely that any more senators will be forced to recuse themselves so we'd be going forward with 30 votes. All right, a lot to keep up with, but yes. it will be here fast. Yes, uh, hopefully. <laughs> Thank you, Lauren. Thank you. After years of trying, lawmakers end the sales tax on diapers and menstrual products. This is not a luxury. This is something that is required, that is a cumulative amount over a period of time that can make a difference. How the change could help Texas families moving forward. Texans will soon stop paying sales taxes on diapers or menstrual products like tampons and pads. It's the result of legislation that was a long time coming. The bill failed to pass in previous years, but gained momentum this session when Speaker Dade Phelan made it a priority item. Capitol correspondent Monica Madden shows us how the change will affect Texas families. One by one. We're happy to help. Busy volunteers at the Austin Diaper Bank. Pack hundreds of baby essentials. Families who are living in poverty or have low incomes, diapers can be really expensive. And so a lot of times they'll reuse diapers, they'll use other things in place of a diaper, um, and we don't want families to do that. It's why Executive Director Holly McDaniel was overjoyed. We're absolutely thrilled. When a bill to eliminate the sales tax on essential baby items and menstrual products finally passed after years of advocacy. The Austin Diaper Bank serves about 35,000 families a year, so the need is great. And 
They say that any kind of savings on the sales taxes will add up and make a difference. It felt like a real team effort and to finally have it be successful was very gratifying. State Representative Donna Howard has been introducing this bill year after year. What made this time different? Well, certainly the budget surplus was a factor. I think it also came on the heels of the previous legislative session and the Supreme Court ruling on Roe v. Wade, where there was um, a sense that uh, the Texas legislature was not taking care of women and not providing them access to health care. Um, so there was more of an effort this time, I think, on the part of leadership to show that indeed they did want to support women uh, they did want to support families. While it's small, families now won't have to pay extra for essential care. This is not a luxury. This is something that is required. That is a cumulative amount over a period of time that can make a difference, especially those living paycheck to paycheck. Monica Madden, State of Texas. The law takes effect September 1st. You might wonder how much money the state would lose by ending the tax on diapers and menstrual products. Numbers from the Legislative Budget Board put the cost at nearly $105 million in the next fiscal year. That's a lot of money, but it's a small fraction of the state's overall sales tax revenue. For perspective, last fiscal year, the state collected nearly $43 billion in sales taxes. Before the session, State Comptroller Glenn Hager endorsed ending the tax on menstrual products and said the state has the funds to cover the costs. Hagar addressed the topic in a news release last year, writing, Our economy and state revenues are strong, and Texans are grappling with inflation and challenging price increases on everyday goods. These circumstances provide a tremendous opportunity to rectify this issue and exempt these products that represent a critical need for Texas women. Thank you again for joining us for State of Texas. I'm Josh Hinkle, and we'll be back next week to bring you an in-depth look at Texas politics.